another world, another time in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. This is what I came for. Your vital essence, the dark crystal. I can feel something. Hear it almost. Don't move. Don't move? Where would I go? Quiet! And here's your hosts, Philip Mitchell and Jamie Prater. So, Adam, I just uh, wanted to say thank you so much for being on the show. I am uh, so excited to be here. I don't get to do a lot of podcasts like this so this is really fun and very exciting for me thank you again for asking me yeah absolutely and you know and and thank you you know congratulations you know we've um you know we've been part of uh the dark crystal with uh writing um beneath the dark crystal which i mean i I must admit when i um heard the announcement i think it was uh last year early last year about it that there was going to be a follow-up um, from the power of the dark crystal, I was sort of really surprised to, to see, uh, that was happening. So it was just like pretty, it was, it's really interesting, um, with it all. So, so, which is, which is really awesome. And so I, I guess, you know, I would love to know about like, um, ha- like how did you, uh, like discover the dark crystal? How do you c- come, came across it, um, for the first time for, for yourself? Oh man. I remember, I remember being a kid, my, whenever, I got the offer for the job, you know, I gladly accepted, uh, just over the moon, excited about it. And I remember calling my mom a few days later to tell her, and she, she said, you know, there's a photo of you from one of the many houses that we lived in growing up. I'm an Air Force kid. And so my dad moved around a ton and we lived in a lot of base housing and uh, before he finally retired. So we lived in just a ton of houses. But there's a photo of me somewhere in my mom's house with a dark crystal poster hung up on the wall. And I just remember it being, I know a lot of people talk about how weird it is and how dark and scary it is. And when you talk to a lot of people now, there's this whole, oh yeah, the Skeksis, like that completely scarred me as a child. Uh, but I could not get enough of it. I, <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was just so enchanting and beautiful and i can't remember the exact age i watched it but i do remember being in junior high which i must have been 15 so this would have been like 1995 96 and i went over to my friend's house and we were trying to figure out what to do and there was a video store around the corner and we were walking around and i saw the dark crystal and i was like guys we you know we have to watch this now we should do that tonight and they had never seen it and just you know 20 minutes into it i remember someone looking over to me and they said your parents let you watch this and it's like yeah i mean it's it's beautiful and it's so heartfelt and there's such a uh just such a wonderful philosophical magical presence in that movie that i think is in a lot of those 80 movies you know like how old are you I'm 30, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I really grew up like in that era of, um, you know, the, watching those 80s movies like on VHS. I mean, like with films like The Dark Crystal, if I sort of had my own sort of scary trilogy, it was uh, The Dark Crystal, uh, Return to Oz, and um, Indiana, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom were sort of like, you know, the dark movies I 
I know I was just you know always be wa- watching them on VHS, and of course, of course, I'd be watching the Star Wars films a lot. But like those were the three films, yeah, <laughs> for me. It's a, like really adult moving movies. Another one that always stuck out to me was the Neverending Story, and I still remember Atreyu in the swamp with his horse, and just that cut. It just is gut wrenching. But there's such oh totally yeah, and and actually, I mean, with the Neverending Story, I actually sort of actually started watching it probably a couple of years ago you know i had heard about the film you know heard about it for such a long time but just haven't got around to watching it so when i watched it a couple of years ago and um yeah seeing that scene with um with him and the horse it was like oh damn like (laughs) 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 devastating (laughs) and i do really credit that to my love of uh melodrama and just big moments and big you know characters needing to suffer to learn to love not only the world around them but themselves which is you know i mean everyone always says love isn't unconditional and so of course it's not unconditional to yourself either so you're constantly dealing with these inner parts of you that you don't really understand and might be new and so whenever they asked me to to do this beneath the dark crystal you know that was really what we wanted to talk about you know this sort of what happens after the great quest that you see in these, uh, especially fantasy movies and such, where there's this big kind of moving board of pieces and they cross this line and then the credits roll. But there's always been a part of me that's, you know, wondered what's next. You know, how do you go through something so big and then just kind of go about your day after that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, because, I mean, with the Power of the Dark Crystal, it introduced um, a lot of things, um, uh, you know, especially with uh, the filings, which, of course, we found out, you know, later on with the comics that um, they that, that they were um, galfling. I mean, that's one of the origins of sort of, you know, you know, that's probably one of the aspects I've sort of been enjoying with um, uh, Beneath the Dark Crystal is sort of getting to know more about the filings. But I'm still trying to figure out, like, about sort of, you know, sort of their place you know within you know the overall story because i know i think with the origins so it, it was basically to do you know so with chal and, and saluna and i know i think with, with chal he he's a the dowson tribe um has there been anything about like what what tribe uh saluna um was from by the way just out of curiosity uh the henson company hasn't told me i asked uh, at one point and uh just kind of never heard back and they kind of my editors were like, we'll just go with, you know, kind of ambiguous tribe there. Okay, so, yeah. With it, yeah. And that's something I don't know if they're planning on talking about in the show or if that's something that uh, they want to address in later lore. Yeah. I'm not yeah. really certain. Yeah. 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 Because it is one of those things. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm curious about like, um, you know, yeah. I mean, well, you know, how, how they're sort of, if they do become part of age resistance or, or not at all, or whether they just sort of, you know, become like a, a forgotten tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Like very early on, like after they were established and then, you know, I'm presuming other Galflings sort of joined in their cause and just became like a long forgotten sort of tribe, I guess, in that, in that respect. Yeah. So, I mean, like we've, you know, you know, we're being tasked to, to write, you know, beneath, the dark crystal which of course is a sequel um to power the dark crystal so you sort of you know had to write sort of you know sort of the it was a bit of like you know the aftermath of you know um you know what 
what's going to happen next to um, uh, with Kensho and, and Therma. And um, like, was that initially sort of challenging, um, you know, to write the story that came place afterwards? Like, I mean, uh, was it something you sort of had a bit more creative with because your story took place so, you know, far into the future or was there still sort of things that you sort of had to be able to hold back, like within the story, you know, because of, you know, because of course, you know, we've got age resistance sort of in the works now. So what, has there been any challenges, I guess, in that respect, you know, with, with riding beneath the dark crystal? No, the Henson company company is just so uh, giving with their mythology and their lore and what you can do. Whenever I was first asked about it, uh, the final issue of power hadn't come out yet. And I had read, uh, so they sent me, it was the final two issues because I read the script for both of those and before I read the sequential comic completed. And so initially I was, you know, there was that kind of kid in me that was bummed that I wasn't going to get to write uh, Jin and Kira. Uh, but, <laughs> but I had kind of gotten over uh, the power of Dark Crystal. I'd gotten this affinity for Therma and Kensho and getting to kind of continue their story onward to see what their lives would be like after the events of power. And then with, with the world of Mithra too, I mean, they're, they're being the Henson company is just being so kind in what I'm allowed to do. You know, at first, I think the first issue or two, I was kind of treading very carefully of, you know, can I do this? Is it okay if I do this? You know, can we add this piece of lore? Um, and then by, I think, issue three, I had gotten a note back from the Henson company that said something like, go crazy, do you can do more if you want. And so that was when we really started kind of expanding, not we're hinting a lot at the origin of the uh, firelings within Mithra. Uh, and I think it's something like I've got it all outlined on my whiteboard behind me right now that says everything that I feel like has happened in all that time. But that is uh, something solely for me. <laughs> and, and it's just something I've kind of used to rationalize the decisions and uh, this kind of history that plays into the beliefs of some of the firelings later on in the series. Because um, the idea of their culture, I think, is just incredible. Uh, the fact that they're this evolved being, pretty much, you know, I mean, you it's these two lovers that run beneath the world to escape. And then they find this climate so, so overbearing and harsh that eventually they just evolve into firelings. Like that's beautiful, you know, that's, uh, that's so romanticized and mythical. And I just really, really love that idea of them coming from embers and becoming more and more and more. Uh, time has gone on and so that was really really fun and I can't thank uh, Arkea and the Henson company enough for just the incredible opportunity to do that you know yeah absolutely yeah that that been really just yeah fa fa fascinating the whole the filings so as I mentioned yeah so basically I mean from so I'd love to know like your point of view of like the origins of um, the filings, maybe for any of the new um, readers or 
people that haven't checked out with power or the beneath the dark crystal um what the the filings are and and sort of i think how they came to be yeah the filings are the habitats of mithra which is a world beneath Ra itself and in mithra the firelings are they're based in fire and smoke and ash and ember and so they're very they're very uh, susceptible to water which is you know uh, something of course that's important to every other living creature the firelings these magical uh uh fire skeletons have started this civilization beneath Ra itself and the firelings initially do not have much to do with the world above Thra. And so in power, the world is threatened to dim unless they get a piece of the crystal. And so Therma goes up to Thra and she meets Kinsho and they have a great quest in Power of the Dark Crystal written by Cy Spurrier, which is super, super beautiful. If you haven't checked, should. Yeah, um, of course, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they end up going about a different way to save the entire Fireling race. Only what happens afterwards is all this time that Therma has spent on Thra, Firelings were still dimming. They were still falling apart, essentially. And so when Therma gets back to Mithra, she has to deal with not only becoming a new Ember Queen, but how to put her land back together. And then at the beginning of Beneath, you find out that she is actually challenged for the crown by another fireling who lives on the outskirts of Mithra, who feels that Therma hasn't been the best of leaders. Like, I really like, like that little twist towards the end and, and finding out that she was a, a descendant from uh, Challenge Saluna, sort of the Gelflings that sort of, you know, originated the, the tribe essentially for the Firelings. So it's, yeah, it's been sort of fun seeing, seeing, you know, back and forth with them. And, and I know, I know there was things like Parsa used to have three in, Ember Queens, but they feel like now let's change it up and let's only have one queen. And so you sort of have these two sort of back and forth challenging against themselves to, yeah, to see who would be the one that take over Mithra, I guess. And that was something we wanted to talk about. Like if you, if you do this great big thing, and saving your entire kingdom like you do in Power of the Dark Crystal. And your mother was an Ember Queen. Like, shouldn't you just get to be the new Ember Queen? But then you have this other view that says, you know, we wouldn't have maybe gotten into this whole situation if it hadn't been for your family in the first place. And as far as lineage goes, Nita sees herself as the most direct line for the crown. And so... It was kind of, it was kind of just this idea of how does ruler, how does ruling work, how does leadership work, and what makes a good ruler and what makes a good leader, which was something we were trying to parallel with Kinsho's storyline back in Thra, of having to deal with the fact that he saved this whole world and also, and now he's still unsure of what to do with himself. You know, he's kind of, kind of left adrift and so i think kinsho's story more than anything is a uh, uh, going back to that idea of unconditional love trying to figure out what he wants to do and what happened to him at the end of power when he's killed and then brought back by the crystal you know i mean i think that's something that's 
the fantasy stories where someone has died and resurrected uh, and then just turning those about. And it's like, well, you know, what did they see? And so that was kind of where the prism came from. And just this idea of how do you deal with that trauma, uh, which I think, you know, we always knew that that was going to be a big aspect of the book. And then I got in that motorcycle accident and then all of us like around issue two, I want to say. And yeah. And so then all of a sudden I felt like I was kind of funneling all those feelings about my trauma into Kensho because uh, my mouth got really, really screwed up. And for a very long time, I mean, that was a part of why we kept putting this interview off was I couldn't talk. And so I felt like whenever I went somewhere, like uh, everyone could tell. And I know there's, I think it's an issue five of Beneath where Kensho talks about people see him, how he really is. And that's kind of how I felt uh, was like, I could keep my mouth closed and, you know, walk around, but I know this thing about me. And if someone looked at me kind of strangely, I was like, oh, you know it too. You know it, you know? <laughs> and so it was, you know, not near as bad as dying and being brought back by a magical crystal, but <laughs> it definitely gave me a different perspective. I think I changed quite a bit in the outline where he really was dealing with the ramifications of trauma. And, uh, and that's what Kinsha went through in power. I mean, he went from being someone who worked in the castle, to someone who saved a world and is now just left alone. And, you know, it's like, well, what do you do with that? You know, it's you find this, you know, if you were digging a pond in your backyard and you found this box, you know, well, what do you do with it? You know, because, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, because, yeah, with Kensho, he's probably, you know, he sort of starts off sort of, I mean, I sort of described this sort of more or less, you know, on a Robin Hood quest, you know, taking all the riches from the cast of the crystal, because I mean, as in we, we found out in Pound the Dark Crystal was sort of greed that sort of, I think, blocked between the two worlds that the sun suns weren't coming to, to Mithra and that he just had to unblock uh, the shaft to get the light, you know, to come back to, to Mithra. And it was sort of interesting, yeah, sort of, you know, continuing on, you know, from at the end, it was sort of greed that sort of blocked Mithra's world. And now that, you know, they saved the world, the two worlds, I guess, in, in that respect. And I think, you know, sort of the first thing of let's let's take all this money that we've been, you know, that Galflings have been throwing in and giving it back to sort of the poor or to other, uh, to the Galfling tribes and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, that's been a really interesting journey with, with Kensho. And as we got introduced to other characters like Tula, and I think, yeah, I mean, that was a really interesting character. I think when we came across with uh, Trunk, and I think um, in some of the issues, I know I think some of the fans were probably shocked about we saw, I think, in some issues about, you know, just I think the idea of like Galflings um, torturing other Galflings was like, whoa, like <laughs> that, that was pretty dark. Whenever I wrote that scene, uh, I kind of I kind of wondered if it was too much. Uh, I wanted to show, you know, we we had I hadn't really told my editors about the. Uh, I mean, I guess when we're getting into spoiler stuff here, but I hadn't told my editors about the idea that there was going to be this kind of Skeksis metal in, uh, in infection almost. And so I wrote that scene and uh, I sent it off. And I, and I honest to goodness had 
another draft of the script ready if they were like, dude, that's too much, you know? <laughs> and uh, uh, I got this really wonderful email uh, that said how much they loved that scene and how like kind of uh, how well it worked for what we were doing. And I responded and said, cool, I was worried it was going to be too much. And they're like, if Henson says anything, we'll be like, hey, there's a scene in the Dark Crystal where <laughs> they drain the essence from a podling and drink it. And uh, yeah, we wanted to show that this this greed, this infection um, of the Skeksis, and it plays out in Dark Crystal and it plays out in Power and it's playing out beneath. This is a blight, you know, this is something that's wrong with the world. And and again, I think that's something that's so wonderful about uh, Jim Henson and what the Jim Henson company is just doing now is they're giving you really wonderful messages. That's a really wonderful, wonderful thing to say like, hey, this greed is killing us as people. Like you can't constantly be like this. And so, so yeah, the idea of the trunk and its roots and all that stuff uh, initially, whenever I first outlined it, and uh, I think this was around the motorcycle crash, was it was I changed it because I wanted it to take that that bit of a darker turn and give Kinsho something that he he was worried was in himself, and so he had to conquer it in himself before he could conquer it outward. Which, to me, that's one of the beautiful things about the Dark Crystals maybe my favorite thing as I've gotten older is their idea of duality and the idea of the Euroskeks and mystics and the skeptics and all of, all of these contradicting beliefs that exist in us. And so it's kind of a matter of how do you control one to put the other outward? You know, it's like, we all want to be good. And so we have to really put, check that and learn to deal with ourselves you know yeah i mean because i mean with the with the earth skeks you know it was yeah the combination of mystics and skeksis and the good and bad and sort of being able to con to control within yourself you know with that aspect so of course you know i, I mean that was, that was a big thing actually with beneath the dark crystal which i definitely wanted to get into was that aspect of you know kensho going into to the prison world I mean, and, and that's the thing, like, and going into the prison world and, and of course, you know, we saw, you know, Ursul, the Chanter in, in there and also, you know, his counterpart, um, the Chamberlain. And I mean, what was it like, you know, trying to write characters with the mystics and Skeksis and trying to put them in a way in the story for Beneath the Dark Crystal? It was uh, not near as intimidating as writing the intro, the Another World, Another Time intro. Uh I rewrote that at least a dozen times of uh, uh, just different ways to go about it, trying to know that voice. And it was something I just kind of had playing on in the background, trying to, to, to nail that dialogue. As far as putting them in, it was something that just made sense uh, for what was happening. It was never, it was never, uh, on a checklist of like, these are my dark crystal highlights and this is what I wanted. Um, it was super exciting when it worked out and I was, <laughs> I was over the moon to get to do it, but it was, it was kind of one of those problem solving nights of this is what's happening right now. 
what needs to happen next to make this happen. Um, I mean, what's the old writing adage? Uh, but and therefore, Kensho wants to do this, but this is in the way, therefore, he does this, that sort of thing. Um, and so it, as I was outlining the next two issues, uh, it just made sense. It was, he should go into this world of the prism and he should. And as far as, you know, what is the prism to me, and this is something that can change, you know, at any moment, but to me, it's not necessarily a gulfling afterlife, but it is a world within the crystal. Uh, and that's why there's both uh, the mystic and the skeptic there is that these things exist within, you know, these are all things connected by the crystal. And so the idea that, and there is also, uh, I think I wrote it, I tried to write it a little bit to be like, maybe it was a fever dream from being <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Kensho's yeah. dream or a world within Kensho and um, a world within all of us. So it is a world that sort of exists, what pretty much, yeah, like within within the the crystal of um, truth. And so because even though, you know, the, these two characters, they sort of died and that's sort of a, is a, just a world that those that, um, that died, you know, went, went to this uh, prison world in that respect, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, when you think about it, Kinsho died and he came back. So it's like, you know, where did he go that he was able to come back from? And so if the the mystics and the Skeksis, you know, die in our form, does the year Skeksis, like, well, where does that former existence go? Does it just become this new thing? Or, do, or there, is there a shadow of what once was there? And so that was kind of my idea. Uh, and part of why I called it the prism was seeing those smaller refracted images, you know? So the idea to me was always this, like, this is a trace of those people that are now this greater people. And because, I mean, that, that was the thing, like when I saw that prism world, I was like, oh my God, this is so, so crazy. It, like one of the first things I thought, you know, after reading it, because I remember, you know, in the Dark Crystal, you had um, Urso, the master, and as he died, you know, saying to Jan, he says, you know, we may meet in another life, but not again in this one. And I sort of had that, this other interpretation, whether, you know, Ursa could potentially be in, in the prism world, or if the prism was more like a sort of, um, you know, like a rejected world, you know, like because, you know, Ursul and Chamberlain, you know, they didn't be as one. And I think we had, then there was a two, um, Skektek and his uh, counterpart, you know, in the Dark Crystal that, those characters died like in the film and never merge if that's yeah you know potentially you know them being inside this prison world yeah yeah and one of my favorite one of my favorite lines from dark crystal is when they're talking to agra and agra says you know he says he's they're dead and agra says well it could be anywhere then and it's to me that's just the best most lovely idea uh to to kind of just run with of this idea of you, you're dead, you could be anywhere, you know? And it's it's such a such a fascinating mythos uh, with everything that they did with the crystal and the connections and the duality. I just I just adore it so much. Yeah, I, I actually love that little bit of trivia, um, especially I think when um, David O'Dell, when he wrote that, that line and he said that he would not have written something like that if he didn't, um, because of course I think he got 
given a copy of, um, I think, uh, Seth Speaks, which, you know, the book by Jane Roberts, that sort of, that spirituality book. Uh, yeah, I always found that really interesting. Yeah, it has been something I've always been curious to, to, to give it a read someday and reading up on it and how, how things from the Dark Crystal, you know, was sort of inspired from it and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's such a, it's such, such a heady, deep property that I always think really wonderful fantasy and science fiction uh, is kind of about humanity as a whole. And I think, I think like, like I, I love Labyrinth so, so much. Uh, and that was the first work I did for the Henson Company was I wrote a uh, two, two short stories for them. Um, and that's why they reached out about this. And Labyrinth is a really, really wonderful art pop sort of character study about Jennifer Connelly's character. And, you know, I've heard the argument that it's never happened and because you see all the toys in her room afterwards. Uh, and then you hear lots of stuff about it being about puberty and all this other jazz. But all of it relates to her character. But when you think about Dark Crystal, which which I guess if Labyrinth is sort of an art pop album, then Dark Crystal's, you know, this really beautiful prog rock sludge metal goth album recorded in the basement of a abandoned church by a graveyard. It's just so beautiful. Um, but, uh, but Dark Crystal, more than a character study, is a, a humanity study. I mean, it's it's talking about people and duality and what that means for those around us and what it means to disappear and find love again. Uh, I mean, it's just such a big, broad reaching idea. And I think a lot of that comes from, like you said, the philosophy and spiritual spirituality that Henson and Odell were talking about. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's the best, Philip. I don't yeah. know if you like Dark Crystal Buddy, but <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's. I was saying that like I'm trying to sell the guy who runs the Dark Crystal podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you why you should watch this movie. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I've got to check this film out. Nah, it's really awesome. Uh, yeah, how, how you got involved and you know become part of the you know Jim Henson Company with you know, yeah with before with writing Labyrinth and and getting on to Beneath the Dark Crystal. Um, so it's just really exciting, you know, with what the future holds, um, yeah, it's at really, the moment because of, yeah. I mean, there's, they're doing so much with it. Uh, that's just incredible. I think a younger me that was more of a, uh, uh, I'm trying, trying to think of a way to say it with a more of a elitist pretentious jerk, <laughs> like a 16 year old me would have resented kind of all the things around it. You know, when you're young and you find something cultish, you, you almost feel the sense of ownership over it of like, this is mine and I found it and it's speaking directly to me. And it's, you know, this very selfish skeptic way to think. Um, and as I've gotten older, uh, I've let go of that very stupid wrong headed uh, thought. And it's so wonderful to see so many people discovering it uh, and loving it. Uh, I just set up at a Comic-Con a few weeks ago, C2E2. And it's amazing. I mean, because I have those Labyrinth stories too. 
And so they're collected in Labyrinth Shortcuts. And then I had the first volume of Beneath the Dark Crystal. And I, I even like set out an index card and was counting who stops for what. And Labyrinth stopped more people, but Dark Crystal had the more fevered responses of people that were just, this is so incredible. There was this one couple who I kid you not, uh, they started crying because they didn't know there was a comic book. They were so excited about the show. Uh, so they bought all the books that I had. And then they had a tattoo. And she had a large, she had a whole sleeve that was dark crystal related. But on her on her forearm, she had a large crystal. And her boyfriend had a smaller shard because he was her shard. And I was like, this is the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, because I think I actually saw, um, I think you, you posted on Twitter um, that photo. I was just like, wow, that, that is incredible. Um, and that is so awesome. You know, I mean, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, it's kind of, I was trying to describe it to someone a few weeks ago. And I said the resurgence in popularity is kind of, to me, it feels like I've had this melody stuck in my head for 30 years and I can, no one else can hear it. And then all of a sudden, like, it's a song and like, oh, I remember that song. And now everyone remembers the name of that song. And it's like, oh, you've had that song in your head this long too. Oh, we're friends, you know? <laughs> and so it's, it's been really, really incredible. And, uh, it, in the hands of the Henson Company, they just seem like such a, they seem as excited as everyone else, you know, to to share and to put more out in the world, but still not overwhelm us with too many things that aren't curated. And it's, I just couldn't be happier about the whole state of the Dark Crystal as it is right now. I am so excited for the show. Um, I've loved all the books they're doing. Uh, it's just been uh, such a blast to do. Um, and I'm getting uh, J.M. Lee's books in the mail tomorrow. I'm excited to, be, to read those. Because, uh, uh, yeah, I it was somehow in my blind spot. And he even, like, messaged me on Twitter after I announced it and, you know, said congratulations. And I just saw, you know, writer of the TV series. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then I was listening to your podcast and I was like, there are books. That's the thing. Like, um, it's going to be really interesting this year about, you know, we, I mean, we, with people that, you know, haven't checked out any of the Dark Crystal books. And once they see the show and realize, wow, there's all this other material, all these books and also with the comics as well, um, that, you know, new fans and, and fans of old and new um, can, you know, deep dive into them. So it's... um. It's really, really exciting, and um, yeah, I just can't wait. You know, when the show comes out, and um, yeah, just just a response that people will get um, with that. And it's been great, you know, seeing like yeah, with um, beneath the dark crystal that you know you've had um, you, you know, quite a few um, you know, really positive um, reviews, you know, from uh, you know, especially you know from the volume one um, paperback and and some of the other issues that. Uh, that I always see it check out when, you know, with the comic reviews and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was, this is my first long form, like a uh, monthly book. Uh, I've 
written graphic novels before and I've written like, you know, those one and done books that are all, you know, this is a hundred and however many pages, but writing a monthly book is just completely different. And I had really only written short stories and then the other end of the spectrum and the very long stories. And so I was kind of scared and I was also, I mean, I was excited to do it, but I, I remember talking to some other uh, pro writer friends of mine that, you know, we're like, don't read the reviews. Like, you know, just until the book is done, don't read anything, don't read anything. And as soon as the first issue came out, I was like, screw you guys, I'm reading the reviews. <laughs> and the response has all been really nice. Uh, I'm not as fevered as catch, like checking out the reviews as I used to be, but doing that show in C2E2 or that show in Chicago was really nice just because you had people coming over and bringing like all the covers and telling you nice things and you're like oh this is so nice the henson fan base is just the sweetest people um they are, uh it turns out when you raise a whole generation on ideas of kindness and acceptance those people turn out pretty dope but uh yeah everyone has just been very very kind the henson company seems happy with everything um uh, i just am completely overwhelmed to be even such a small part of it um and i just can't thank archaea and then also i i can't forget to thank alexandria huntington who does the art on this book and she is just insanely talented and i give her probably really really hard scripts to draw and she knocks out of the park every time her stuff is so good her sense of storytelling is so smart. Um, I just could not be more grateful for her either. Uh, and she is someone that really, really loves this franchise as well. And I think she, I don't want to speak for her, but I think she wants to see it do as well as it possibly can also. And so, I mean, we're just two excited fans that have walked into somehow getting to do this. <laughs> But I think a lot of it was after after that second Henson story. I mean, I bugged that editor like once a year about, hey, if any new Henson stuff comes up, please let me know. And then shortly after I finished that second story was when they emailed me about uh, pitching an outline for that. So it, it, that is so awesome. And I mean, I mean, as of this moment, we're up to issue eight of 12. Uh, with Beneath Dark Crystal, so we're two thirds uh, through the, through the story, and yeah, just um very much looking forward to, um you know reading you know more issues and you know getting the full story um you know as, as we will happen, um so I think we'll we'll wrap up this interview, but yeah, I just wanted to say Adam, thank you so much for being on the show and chatting all things Dark Crystal. And I would love to know how can listeners um, find out about um, your work or what best way they can get in, in contact with you? Uh, I very sporadically update Twitter at A Smith Writes. Uh, and that's really about it. <laughs> and I only started the Twitter because I got the Dark Crystal job. I was happy to be a recluse who wrote books and just kind of sent them out in the world. Uh, but whenever that happened, I thought, well, I want to meet more Dark Crystal fans. And so that's the only reason I even started it. So you can always message me there. Um, 
and yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that, and that's the power of the Twitter, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I think that's how I contacted you through um, through the Dark Crystal Podcast um, Twitter account or at Dark Crystal Pod. Um, so no, it was it was awesome to sort of to connect via Twitter and and, and make this happen. So um, no, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Philip, for having me. Uh, I appreciate your patience and working out a time that's worked for both of us. Thank you again. You've already taken too long, Delfling. Hurry! At last, the crystal calls. It is time. Time to return to the castle. The crystal calls! To the crystal So that's all the time I have for this episode of Trial by Stone. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. We're also on Twitter at darkcrystalpod and on Instagram at darkcrystalpodcast. If you like the podcast and you think that others would love it too, then please spread the word about it. Thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.